a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth. So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen from the National Patriot and Diet. Excuse me, Diane Sorry from the Patriot Factor. I got all choked up there because it's the Tuesday night edition of the show. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you this evening? You know what? I'm doing pretty good, really. Good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's early in the week, but I can't, I just can't believe we're already at the 10th of January. I know. It's only like 11 and a half months to Christmas. Oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> Good start Lord. your shopping early yeah you know start saving for a dozen eggs early oh dear <clears throat> absolutely that's that's getting to be crazy mm-hmm. um, you know you you go to the store anymore and you you buy what they got because they're they're kind of running out of things but you know when you get to something that it should seem as simple and as cheap as a dozen eggs, and, and you feel like you got to call your banker and take out a loan first? Well, earlier today, I had a sticker shock. I just ran in to get a tube of toothpaste. Stuff oh, no. I buy all the time. And $8. For a tube of toothpaste? For a tube of toothpaste. Jeez. I mean, that is uh, total insanity. It must be brought to us by the same people who give us $8 eggs. It's, they're stuck on stupid. I know. <laughs> hey, a little bit later tonight, I'm going to be talking about the gambit for the gavel. You and I talked about the um, you know what was going on on Friday night, last Friday, with the Speaker of the House and the nonstop voting for Speaker of the House. Well... I put together a piece on it, and I'm going to do it tonight on the show. Okay. And I did, for this week, yet another COVID article. It's like I can't get away from it. No, it's it's following you like a bad shadow. Well, no one is telling the truth. Well, except you. Except me. Seriously. And my stuff is medically checked through connections, make sure everything I have is correct. And we are still not admitting, most people are not admitting what this really is. Your op-ed tonight is the continuing COVID cover-up. 
Yes. The ongoing, continuing, never-ending disease that isn't. You know, I mean, this this is getting out of hand, but, you know, I mean, I'm going to have the same issue in covering Twitter files that you've had with yes, COVID. So, you know, <laughs> uh, we've we yes. both got our crosses to bear, I guess. Yes, you are. But at least we're getting the truth out that the, you know, mainstream media will not tell. Well, and some of the backstories, too, that, that kind of get lost in the shuffle, but I think are important. Some of them are important. You know, I mean. Some definitely are important. We, we got to do what we got to do. Hey, look, we've got other stuff to talk about tonight. How about the House Republicans now under Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy had a vote on stripping the funding from the IRS for 87,000 new IRS agents. I mean, uh, can you believe that? Well, I, it's, first of all, it's ridiculous. But here's the way the voting went. Now, the Republicans did something they don't normally do. They voted in lockstep. 100% of House Republicans voted to can the funding for the 87,000 new IRS agents. So, Diane, what did the Democrats do in the House? Well, they marched in lockstep, too. They voted against it. So so they're voting to continue harassing Americans with IRS agents. Yes. Constantly continuing to harass Americans. Not only those who are making a lot of money, the wealthy, but also, you know, everyday Americans who, you know, find the situation now with the economy and everything uh, raising in price, the inflation, they're finding it very hard to make men ends meet. But they're, you know, part of their 80 whatever thousand IRS agents are focused on them. Well, and small business owners, too. Let's not forget the small business owners. You know, the IRS already has a lot of people that look into wealthy people's income uh you know to to handle that so these eighty seven thousand proposed new irs agents they're really coming after the rest of us exactly the regular americans are now being harassed constantly by the irs now my question is does this vote that they took to strip that funding it has to go to the senate doesn't it You know something, Craig? I'm not sure because the House uh, handles the purse strings. So I'm really not 100% sure of that. Yeah, we're going to have to look into that. Uh, If it it does go to the Senate, I wonder what they're going to do with it. Oh, you don't think they're going to... Kill the funding? uh, Kill the funding. I doubt it. The Republicans might, except maybe, you know, you got your couple of little rhinos in there. But the Democrats will never go for that. Well, I, yeah, that's kind of the way I, I see it, too. And, and so that's why I say it's going to be interesting to see what happens if it has to go uh, to the Senate. And I mm-hmm. assume it does because the, the House and the Senate had to approve the omnibus spending bill, which really was the budget. So this is part of the budget process. So I don't know. You know, what it also means is, does anything really matter? Well, I mean, let's let's see how this goes, because 
I don't think even Democrats want to get harassed by the IRS. Mm. I don't know. Maybe the difference maybe is the IRS will cover for the Democrats. Well, that's true. I mean, we remember Lois Lerner. Mm-hmm. You know, that was whole, all an IRS deal. Now, here's something else interesting that came out uh, early this afternoon, is that the House now intends to also vote on a bill that abolishes the IRS and goes with a consumption tax. Yes, and let's see how that plays out. What do you think of the whole consumption tax idea? It actually, the way Herman Cain proposed it when he ran for president, it made a lot of sense. Well, and, and it, isn't that kind of what Rand Paul was has been talking about, too, for a long time? A fl- well, he's talking so. about a flat tax, I guess. Flat tax, right. There's a difference. Yeah, there is a difference. I think the consumption tax is a good idea. You do away mm-hmm. with all the uh, federal income tax, and this is a federal thing. You do away with all the federal income tax and replace it with a sales tax on things you buy. Right. And it would actually be a smart idea because it would keep people more focused on what they have and can afford as opposed to just spending on something that you want but you don't need. It might actually help individuals. Well, it might actually raise more taxes. I mean, not not by raising taxes, but you might actually collect more taxes. because. Exactly. If people have more money in their pocket, which they would if they weren't paying a federal income tax, they might actually have more money to spend on things where you would get taxes. Now, I can tell you this is something that Nebraska has looked at. Nebraska is toying with, or or at least talking about, It's it's a very difficult thing to put in place. I know, that's the problem. Uh, you know, when, when you do something like that, and it makes all the sense in the world, so don't get me wrong, I would be very much in favor of it. Mm-hmm. But when you put something like that in place, you are replacing other taxes. Right. And, and when you replace other taxes, especially on, let's say, on a state level, it, it compounds the problem when you do it on the federal level. But when you do it on the state level, You know, certain taxes go to certain places within state and local and municipal governments, okay? So Mm -hmm. when you replace all of that with a consumption tax, you've got to reconfigure who gets what money and who's in charge of doling that out. That's true. You know, so it's, it's a complicated mess. But in the long run, it should work. And, you know, it. I'm honestly... I'm not sure we've got anybody in the federal government right now that's smart enough to figure out how to make it work, but on paper, it works. Yeah, on paper, it does work, and um, it actually keeps the public more conscious of what they're consuming and what they're buying. Well, yeah, because... It it would help cut down on, you know, reckless spending, which all of us do on occasion. Right. You know, but when you go out and buy something... You're, you're paying a tax on it, and that's the only tax you, you wind up paying. You don't pay uh, a federal income tax. You pay a federal consumption tax. Right, right. And it also depends on each state. Like in Florida, we don't have a, uh, 
state tax as far as as that, and many states are now following that. Well, as well, you know, they I know some states where where you have a state tax, you have your federal tax, you have a city tax, you have a county tax, then you have a tax in the place you might work in if it's not the county you live in. This is New York, folks. Um, I mean, this is what people tell me is going on up there. They're they're like taxed to death up there. And yet they still vote these idiots in. and, and, And that's the problem we have here in Nebraska is property taxes. Yeah. The uh, the property taxes here in Nebraska are out of control, uh, and it's the people in the western two-thirds of Nebraska that fund the schools for the people in the one-third of Nebraska that's back east, you know, well, I have, being Lincoln and Omaha. Well, I have a take on these property school taxes. When you – people who do not have children, in my opinion – should not have to pay school taxes. People who have children who are going to the schools, yes, you pay your taxes. But once those children graduate, you no longer have to take pay those taxes because the next generation is paying the taxes and so forth down the line. Like my kids are out of out of the the school system. And I'm still paying taxes years later, and they don't go to school. How about the people that are paying ta- taxes decades later How about for their the- kids that are not going to school? But in the meantime, the school boards are getting all this extra money. They're getting all the new kids going in. Their parents are paying taxes, plus the parents whose kids are no longer going there. I mean, these school boards are loaded with money i don't care what anybody says and i think something should be looked into about that i've even written about that i i guarantee something needs to be done about that what about those of us who've never had kids and still pay property taxes for schools you know i mean that's what i said in the very beginning it's it's insanity but um you know the at least for now the 87 new irs agents are kaput Right. And they're going to stay kaput as long as we keep control of the house. Yep. So that's, you know, day one went pretty well. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, it you know, it's a, we're on a day by day deal. Uh, the Department of Justice, Diane, is undertaking a brand new investigation of classified documents. Uh, and, and no, if you missed it, folks, they have not re raided Mar a Lago. No. This time, they're actually going to investigate classified documents that Biden kept after leaving his VP position. Now, this is interesting uh, on several fronts. First of all, these documents, these classified documents, and some were uh, compartmentalized classified documents, uh, they were found at the Biden think tank at the University of Pennsylvania. Now, The idea that Biden has a think tank is probably the biggest oxymoron I have ever heard in my life. Okay. Uh, But he was the vice president. He took these classified documents with him. They have resided in this think tank closet situation. Right. Uh, 
how is that different than President Trump taking documents to Mar-a-Lago? It really doesn't. It's just word semantics. But Mm. what I find interesting about this is this look into was initiated by the National Archives. And they were the player that led up to the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Right. And now suddenly they're like, ooh, I think we made a mistake. There was nothing there. Now we better be fair and look into Joe Biden's nonsense. But with Biden being that he was VP under Obama, God only knows what's there. Well, now I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. And, and you know, you say there's really no difference. I'm, I'm going to say there's a big difference. Okay. And, and when you hear what I say, I think you'll agree with me. Um, the, the big difference is when Trump took documents to Mar-a-Lago, Trump was the president and only the president can declassify documents. When Trump. Biden took documents to the quote-unquote think tank at the University of Pennsylvania, Biden was the vice president. Vice presidents cannot declassify documents. Therefore, he stole classified documents. But but hold on. If he took the classified documents, yes. However, not all documents that are in the archives are classified. I I understand. They could end up going in there and finding that these were not classified documents. In a way, I hope they find that they were classified documents because then we can get Biden on, you know, some stuff. But chances are, I believe, I I don't think they're classified, especially going to a mm, college. I'm telling you, they're classified. And I know at least two of them were compartmentalized intelligence, which is the highest classification you can get. Those right. are never supposed to even walk but out of a skiff. I'm telling you, there is proof of it. It's already been released. Those were compartmentalized intelligence documents. Two of them were compartmentalized intelligence documents that never should have walked out of a skiff. Well, then... Charges have to be brought. They didn't find any of those types of documents they suspected. But nothing's really come of it with Trump. If this is indeed that, Biden needs to be prosecuted immediately. Now, President Trump did have, just playing devil's advocate now, uh, President Trump did have a classified dinner menu and a cocktail napkin. Yes, he did. And he had something signed by <laughs> Kim Jong-un. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and yesterday uh, in, in a uh, kind of makeshift press conference situation, some reporter asked Biden if he had any comment about the classified documents found at his think tank at the University of Pennsylvania. Biden looked down and refused to utter a single word. Yeah. Refused. Yeah. Um, I have not seen those, the documents in question yet, because I've been busy with something on a a city level. Um, but if they are classified, they are, and you know, it's proven, you said the proof is there. Yep. Biden taking them. Isn't that grounds for, um, charges? 
I, w- I would certainly think so. I would think it, it violates um, several different laws. Um, you know, I mean, it, obviously you're not supposed to take anything out of a skiff, and at least two of the documents were skiff-oriented documents. Um, right. There, I, as I understand it, there are a total of 10 documents they have found so far. They're not done looking. But 10 documents they have found so far that were marked classified, and two of those were the highest classification possible. So Maybe they should uh, dust those documents for Obama's fingerprints. Well, you know, there's, there's the Espionage Act, and that's what they tried to get Trump on. Was right. the Espionage Act? Well, this qualifies under the Espionage Act because, and it, where Trump's didn't, because Trump was the president and he right. can automatically declassify anything he wants. Biden was vice president and he doesn't have that power as vice president. Well, you do know that the puppet master Obama will make some excuse for it. Oh no, no, I told him he can have yeah. it, this and that. You know they're not going to do oh, yeah. anything, Greg. As long That's- as Garland is the AG, nothing's going to happen. Exactly. That's what I was leading you to. Okay. <laughs> I was leading, I was huh? Yeah, I was dragging you to. That's why I kept saying, as vice president, he could not declassify documents. Mhm. That's not to say that Obama can't come out and say, now, well, I declassified those, even though there's probably no record of him declassifying. Ah, well, right. I, you know. Hey, he's yeah. got AG, he's got Merrick Garland in his pocket. Nothing's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So, so let's move on to a real issue of gas. Yeah, from one gas bag to another. Exactly. Uh, I led you right into that. <laughs> the federal government is now talking about banning gas stoves yeah is this ridiculous folks this is carrying nonsense just way too far because they have concerns over indoor air pollution indoor this, this is beyond beyond ludicrous seriously what everybody who has a gas stove now has to get rid of their gas stove I'm going to call. Think that's going to happen. I'm going to call BS on this. Look, I have I have cooked on both gas and electric stoves, and I love to cook. Okay, mm-hmm. I much prefer to cook on a gas stove than an electric stove. Most um, real cooks do. Yeah. Um, here's the deal. They're they're saying that certain gases produced by a gas stove can lead to cancer. Carbon monoxide, nitrogen. Di- dioxide all sorts of things like that you know so for the safety of people cooking in their kitchens they must have electric stoves well that's bs okay uh i'm sure that if you stick your head in a gas oven long enough cancer is not what's going to kill you right (laughs) um and and here's the deal they're upset because gas stoves run on gas they exactly. don't they don't run on fairy dust and unicorn farts. They run on something that comes out of the ground. So mm-hmm. what they're saying is, well, you know, we're we're gonna ban gas stoves and everybody's gonna have to have an electric stove. Well, guess what? Most electric stoves in this country run on coal. 
<laughs> well, you got to, you know, fire up the electricity. Are they going to be building millions of more windmills to keep well, they want everything to. powered up if you're going to everybody's going to have an electric stove? They want to, you know, Idiots. but but here's the thing. Most electricity in this country is still coming from coal. Of course. Coal, natural gas, you know, some nuclear um you know, so really, they're not doing anybody any favors. Then what happens? Let's say I've got a gas stove. Okay, mm-hmm. so they ban gas stoves. Now, what am I supposed to do? I can't just go out and buy an electric stove without having my kitchen completely rewired for 220 And who's going to pay for that? The government? That's my question. Who's going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. Who's going to pay for the brand new appliance? Right. Okay. Now, I've got a gas stove. Okay. Um, um, apparently, the gas stove's going to kill me. So I got to go electric. Well, I've also got a gas furnace. <laughs> You're going to be mighty cold in Nebraska. So, you know, what are we supposed to do? Now, if they say, well, then you got to get an electric furnace, okay. Who's going to pay for the electric furnace? Who's going to pay for the 220 to wire that in? And who's going to pay to run all new ductwork in my house to service that? Right. It's ridiculous. It's just, just more nonsense for the from the left. Yeah. Uh, and finally, and quick hitters, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson is potentially throwing his hat into the 2024 presidential election ring. What What is going to happen? Is they going to water it down so much? Nobody should be running. Uh, there were two people that should be up for the Republican nomination. The only two that have a chance of winning. One is Donald Trump. The other is Ron DeSantis. All these others are just spoilers. That's it. Yeah. You have Trump and DeSantis. Either one would be fine. DeSantis is basically Trump policies without the drama and the, the um, um, with more polish. Let's right. put it that way. Either one of those two men are probably the only two that have a chance of beating, I hate to say it, Biden. I know. He's going to run. He says he's going to run. He said he's going to run. I mean, he has no record to run on. Oh, God. You know, um, his border visit was an absolute disaster. That's my article for next week. Biden goes to the border for two hours. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Do, um, do you know while he was down there, he mistook a member of the Salvation Army for a yes. member of the Secret Service? Oh, yes. God. I mean, the man has no clue what he's doing anymore, but he's running again, and people are going to vote for him because he's got the D next to his name. It's very important that we have just these two men running. People like Asa, I don't know that much about him, but he's a spoiler. He has no chance. I think think Asa Hutchinson is a good man. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think he's been a good governor in Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't have any animosity. 
toward Asa Hutchinson. But like you said, Diane, he's a spoiler. Uh, he's a spoiler. He's an unknown outside of his own state. Um, all, all these candidates, except those two, any others are in there to spoil it. Are they in there to spoil it for DeSantis or are they in there to spoil it for Trump? We can't really tell. But this well, man has no chance of getting the nomination, let alone winning the presidency. I'll tell you, I don't worry so much about things leading up to the primary and the nomination. And that and that's because somebody's going to come out on top. Okay, and it's it's not yeah. going to be Asa Hutchinson. Here's what I worry about in the minute or so we have left in the segment. I worry about nuts coming in as third-party candidates because they only take away from the Republican yes. Party. The Democrats will vote in lockstep. Yes, and I was very happy to see an article where Trump said he will not run third-party. Right, and I hope he sticks to that. So he's not going to be a spoiler. If Ron DeSantis did get the nomination, I'd like to think I, I can hold him at his word. I, that whoever I, gets the nomination, he will support. I think so. I think he can. I th- I, th- I think we can hold Donald Trump to his word. Yeah. But any of the others, no, we can't. And and it's the third party candidates that are going to going to be the fly in the ointment. Yes. And and I guarantee you they're coming. We may not see them this year, but early next year, about this time next year, I think a couple of third-party candidates will come crawling out of the woodwork like cockroaches. Yeah, uh, libertarian candidates are also going to come crawling out. Right. Um, you're going to have strange, the Green Party is going to put up someone. You put all those people together, you've got a decent number of people that can sway an election, but right. they cannot win an election. That's so the why point. why are you hurting the country unless you have your own agenda? And they do. They do. Folks, we've made it to the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take that coveted bottom of the hour break, get a couple of station IDs in. 30 minutes from now, I'm talking about the gambit for the gavel. But when we come back from this bottom of the hour break, Diane's got it with the continuing COVID cover-up. What is this, Article 40 on COVID for you? It's pretty close to it. It's somewhere between 38 and 40. Yeah, well, congratulations. You have now written more COVID articles than Dr. Zeus has written rhymes. Ah, but look at you. You're going to be... Uh, you know, racking up the Twitter articles. I, I am. I guarantee you I am. Folks, here's the bottom of the hour break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with more on Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. 
You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor, getting you through a Tuesday night edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, go to RSPRadio1.com. Tomorrow morning, click the podcast button. This podcast and all the rest are right there waiting for you. Yes. All right, so folks, uh, I just got to tell you a little behind the scenes here. Diane is was so excited to write another COVID article <laughs> that she almost couldn't contain herself, and she was working on this and bragging about it and telling me every day how much she enjoyed writing about COVID. Folks, you do know that Craig does take medication. <laughs> well, uh, okay, if that's what we're calling it this week, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you have put together the continuing COVID cover-up because obviously this is not going away. No, and I wish it would. But let's start by saying it's the dawn of a new year, and yet COVID remains with us. And while some still cower in fear of truths not told, others are starting to see the truth about what always was a bioweapon that was sold to the masses as but a viral disease. Since the beginning of the COVID pandemic, I have been writing that SARS-CoV-2, codenamed COVID-19, while being a naturally occurring coronavirus in bats, was, I believe, intentionally bioengineered and genetically manipulated with gain-of-function properties at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, manipulated to be the bioagent used in a bioweapon by the Chinese government. And it's also been my opinion that said bioagent was intentionally released, with the only mistake being that perhaps it was released a bit too soon for the Chinese government's liking. I have also written about certain U.S. federal agencies funding gain-of-function research, research which, by its very nature, is designed to increase the ability of pathogens, as in bacteria, fungi, and viruses, to infect do harm, and or kill people by making said pathogen more transmissible, as in its becoming 
a super spreader. And know that said research, banned here in the U.S. due to its highly dangerous nature, violates the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty, making those like Dr. Anthony Fauci and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, who knowingly and willingly help fund such research, having committed, as per the treaty, crimes against humanity. And you can add the World Health Organization to the list of those involved. For Craig, they knew well what was going on in Wuhan and not only kept silent, but helped push forward the lies that ensued. Well, and then you got, you know, Dr. Tony Fauci, Dr. Tony Baloney, as I call him. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy kind of painted himself into a corner. He got trapped. He had to admit some things. And since then, hasn't he been trying to backpedal and weasel his way out of it? Well, while Fauci, the now thankfully former um, NIAID director and chief medical advisor to both Presidents Trump and Joe Biden, has admitted that his department did help fund gain-of-function research, but he still continues to deny that he or his people had any direct hands-on involvement with the virus itself or its release. But Dr. Fauci's lies are but an attempt to erase or at least cover up the very blood of those who died from COVID-19 that will forever stain his and the NIAID's hands. And this is no matter that some in the media still call Fauci, quote, the greatest public servant ever while gushing over his service. But if truth be told, if not for Fauci, COVID never would have reached the havoc that it did. And masks, gloves, lockdowns, quarantines, mandates, and vaccines would not have diverted us from the truth that a naturally occurring coronavirus had been transfigured as the bioagent component in a Chinese manufactured bioweapon and Craig that an antidote was all that was ever needed. After all, numerous antidotes do exist for bioweapons already in existence. Now, it seems to me almost maybe a year and a half ago, maybe it was longer, maybe it was closer to two years ago, you wrote an article published mm-hmm. in uh, the thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com about what was really needed other than a jab in the arm. And right. you're standing you're by that, right? Right. And I'm saying if only an antidote, which cures, not prevents, had been available, if only herd immunity had been allowed to kick in as bioagents lose potency as they dissipate over time, if only a rush-to-market vaccine had not forced millions to roll up their sleeves and get jabbed, who knows how many of those folks might still be alive today. And why do I say this? Because it has always been my contention that not only was COVID-19 engineered to be a bioweapon, but it was done so to help consolidate power to expedite the culling of the herd by kickstarting the UN's Agenda 30 and Agenda 50's take on population control. And with 687,000 786 people worldwide having died from COVID-19 as of December 27th with 1,116,000 
thousand and ninety-five of them being here in the U.S. This is only the tip of the proverbial iceberg. For now, the very vaccine itself, along with its unending series of booster shots, are killing people, just as COVID-19 continues to do. And why? Because COVID-19 specifically uses spike proteins to help facilitate the virus's entry into healthy cells, which is the first step in infection, and are the same spike proteins used in the vaccines and booster shots, now replicating itself inside those who willingly got jabbed. Jabbed with rush-to-market vaccines, along with Big Pharma's money-making series of booster shots. Sadly, the genetic code of this weaponized bioagent is now being carried by millions of Americans with no true countermeasures available, read antidote here, if they come down with the very virus they were supposedly vaccinated and boosted against. And while some drugs, to a degree, help fight this bioagent, Sadly, our weekly U.S. COVID death count is starting to rise again. But isn't it odd, Craig, that the rise is not amongst we who proudly remain unvaxxed, unboosted, and COVID-free, but amongst those who bought into the hype that COVID-19 will kill you if you don't buy what the government is selling You know, it wasn't that long ago that we were being told that this was a pandemic of the unvaxxed. Well, it turns out it's a pandemic of the vaxxed. Exactly. But, but, But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Absolutely. To make matters worse, certain mRNA based COVID vaccines and boosters are now proving to have serious ramifications on their own, even more so than catching COVID itself. How so? How about they're causing in some an anaphylactic reaction that leads to shock and can cause sudden death? How about it causing thrombosis, which are blood blood clots, and thrombocytopenia syndrome, or nerve damage and paralysis due to Guillain-Barre syndrome? and myocarditis and pericarditis, which are serious heart issues, to name just a few very unpleasant, unnecessary, and in some cases deadly side effects that are now happening more often, especially, but not limited to, younger people aged 5 to 24 years old. Simply thanks to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the gullible and the fearful were sold a pack of medical untruths while he deliberately and with malice intended lied to President Trump about COVID's origins, its mode of transmission, and the need for mandatory lockdowns, lockdowns which directly affected our economy, the supply chain, and overwhelmed our health care system. And Craig Fauci did so to help aid the Democrats' anti-Trump agenda while he rolled in the bucks by pretending to be America's health savior. You know, that guy was the highest paid um, government employee we have mm-hmm. ever had. And for what? Yes. You know, but but let's look. Let's take a look at COVID-19 because it's more than just COVID-19 now because of the variants and, and there's even new ones. Is, is that right? We've got oh, yeah. new variants? 
Well, I also believe that not only did Dr. Fauci's lies cause a rise in COVID infections and deaths here in the U.S., but that it was his helping to fund China's gain-of-function research that allowed for 130-plus sublineages, which are variants, of Omicron to now have emerged, including the BF variant. And it's the BF variant that can override and negate one's previous immunity, as well as it's being the variant believed responsible for most, but not all, of the current surge in both infections and deaths in China. And besides the BF7 variant, 50 of the other 130 Omicron variants, including the XBB and XBB.1.5 variants now here in the U.S., are what's causing the newest surge in outbreaks in China, a surge to the tune of 248 million Chinese out of 1.4 billion, nearly 18% of China's population, having come down with some new variant of COVID within the first 20 days of December alone, with 5,000 plus dying per day. In fact, some are reporting that in Jiangjiang province, a province of 64.5 million people, 1 million new COVID cases are being detected per day. But the Chinese government really doesn't care as the deaths from COVID are an easy way for them to cull their vastly overpopulated herd, with the added bonus being their continuing ability to perpetrate worldwide fear and hence control, as all are now focused on which country will see the next COVID surge. And sadly, it could now be our country for COVID cases are on the rise, not only via the normal modes of transmit, transmission, but by a new mode, courtesy of Joe Biden, the man who stated about President Trump, quote, we need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, and fear-mongering, who is allowing folks from China to again travel to the U.S. And while on December 28th, Biden did announce that come January 5th, it would be required for all such travelers to show a negative COVID test taken no more than two days prior to their flight and arrival here, what he forgets or simply doesn't give a damn about is that one can test negative for COVID one day and then test positive a day or days afterwards, thus likely having infected those they came in contact with, who in turn could then infect others. So much so much for medical science, I guess, as Joe Biden's New Year's gift to America is to allow back into our country what I call walking, talking, virus infecting human time bombs. And it's and Craig, it's courtesy of the very country who started it all and who now is in what appears to be yet another self-initiated pandemic mode. Yeah, that's the worst part of it. Uh, you know, our elected officials just keep shooting themselves and everybody else in the foot. But is anybody starting to sit up and take notice of this? I mean, is anybody catching on to the truth of this yet? 
Well, as we, you know, must sit and wait to see what happens next for COVID is still being seen by many as just a viral disease. But thankfully, at least some in D.C. are starting to understand that no matter its current nature, COVID's very existence was and still is fueled on by the hateful politics of the day. And while in China, dictatorial rule remains set order of the day, even if a bioweapon must be used to keep the masses in line, here in the U.S., with the Republicans taking over the House, we at least have a chance to tone down the COVID scare tactics and Fauci-spewed lies, and at least attempt to get to the truth. But with attempt being the operative word, must one must accept as facts that the now Republican-controlled House can investigate COVID's origin and its spread all they want. Yet the fact remains that as long as Merrick Garland is the Attorney General, no charges will be brought nor adjudication handed down against any of those involved in COVID's lies told or in the mishandling of his misinformation. And this includes Dr. Anthony Fauci himself, as well as those on Twitter who either removed tweets regarding the suspected origins of COVID or flagged such tweets as being associated with Russian disinformation. And with that said, know as fact that secretly warehoused pathogens unrelated to COVID might suddenly start jumping from animals to humans in what's called zoonotic spillovers, and that our main focus should not only be on sudden spikes in our enemies' anything-but-research accidents, but on the very real possibilities that someone is intentionally unleashing contagions that could prove lethal to millions worldwide. China's COVID test run these past three days fits perfectly into the globalist agenda of culling of the world's overpopulated herd. But losing 6.6 plus million uh, people to COVID barely puts a dent in the world's overpopulated herd. But losing, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had a pop out here, folks. COVID's test run these past three years fits perfectly into the globalist agenda of culling of the world's overpopulated herd. But losing 6.6 million people to COVID barely puts a dent in the world's current population of over 8 billion people and growing. And the population is growing while our needed natural resources either naturally diminish under the strain of usage demand or, Craig, have fallen victim to the political nonsense known as climate change, both of which serve America's enemies well. So, I almost hate to ask this, but is is climate change and COVID going to get rolled into one sloppy, ugly ball? Is that what we have to look forward to? Absolutely. In fact, by melding together the people's fear of what is the weather with their fear of catching some deadly disease, especially a disease bioengineered to piggyback on known viral agents, not only do you create a perfect storm by which to control the masses, but you help cull the economically draining masses as well. 
And with power then consolidated into the hands of but a few, the newest in a series of doomsday buttons has been set, courtesy of a Chinese bioweapon deliberately sold to the gullible masses by greedy politicians, control freaks, and echo do-gooders as they must be vaccinated against disease, a disease that was never a disease at all. Case closed. Okay, I've got a couple of questions for you. And I honestly, I don't know if you can answer these, but I, uh, of all the people I know, you stand the best shot. And maybe even if you can't answer them, it, it becomes the topic of Article 41. Oh, dear. Oh, thanks, Craig. Okay. But you, you talk in, in this piece, in this op-ed, about 130-plus sub-lineages or different variants that we now have. Right. Well, this whole thing, this whole COVID-19 thing started out, what, about two years ago, roughly two years right. and a couple of months? Right. Three years ago. 19. Okay. Um, if we now have 130 new sub-lineages or variants, are these multiplying exponentially? And, and do they weaken every time they multiply, or do the variants just not weaken, and we just have more of the same strength of variants? Well, there's two schools of thought on that. One say with each variant, it weakens slightly, while other medical scientists are saying in the case of COVID, the ones who also believe that it's a bioagent it could actually grow stronger in certain immunocompromised people, people with diseases, heart patients, whatever. And it's also infecting COVID vaccinated people and COVID boosted people and people who have had COVID more so than we that have had none of it. Okay, so... With, with, it's two schools of thought, basically. Right. So let's talk about the vaccinations for just a moment. Okay. Um, okay. Am, am I correct in thinking that most of the vaccinations, while not one variant specific, they are more specific than broad? So that when when you get jab after jab after jab, Let's say of the of the 130 plus variants that are out there now, how many of those are you protected against? Ten. Well, they're all. This newest bunch is coming from the Omicron variant alone. So it's a ba- it basically it's worked its way down. Remember, COVID nineteen itself became Omicron, right? And now Omicron has become these one hundred and thirty sub variants. Right. There's no saying that one of those sub variants cannot become a whole new strain on its own. That, see, that's it, what I, that's it, what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when you when you look at it, okay, so they're all Omicron variants, this 130. Right. They're all Omicron variants, right. right? But another variant could emerge. Yeah, but of, of the ones that we have now, let's, let's not even talk about the ones that could come out. Let's talk about okay. the ones we have now and the vaccines we have now. So of, of 130 Omicron variants, if you get the vaccine booster for Omicron, how many of those 130 variants is it actually working on? I don't think very many, which is why the the boosters and the shots are proving so ineffective. They're ineffective because 
they were designed to work against a disease. Right. And the manufacturers is- never took into account, maybe this is not a disease. Maybe this is a bioagent. And those are two totally different animals completely. It just seems to me that the more people get jabbed and the more people get boosted, the more of those people are coming down with some yeah. form of this. Exactly. And we who are unjabbed, unboosted, and have not had COVID remain not having COVID. Does it mean we cannot get it? No, of course not. We can we can get it. But the longer we are out from the COVID and the Omicron and still not sick, I guarantee you if blood tests were done on those of us not having it and they looked for how many of those protective T cells, I guarantee you we probably have more than the average person. I think you're probably right. You know, yeah. um, there's a lot of information in this particular op-ed. Um, mm-hmm. Number 40 on the list, uh, certainly not the last, because this is not going to go away. <laughs> I know, I know. Shut up! I know. Uh, people, you can you can get Diane's op-ed two places. You can go to thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or you can go to rspradio1.com. Knowledge yeah, is power. And and you get a lot of knowledge reading this op-ed as to what's coming, what's out there now, and what's coming. Well, let me just mention uh, three little foot uh, footnotes very fast. My first footnote, you go to my blog, right on top in the header is the whole COVID section. But you also need to understand that the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which COVID came from, is China's only bio-level Uh, for super laboratory it was developed there and number three and this is critical and this goes to what we were just talking about craig the xbb 1.5 variant like the b7 variant is immune evasive meaning it is not as susceptible to natural immunity or vaccines and according to health professionals is very contagious oh that's good news isn't that great news? That's that's real. That's fantastic news. You know what that means? I thought so. You know what that means? Another run on toilet paper. Exactly. <laughs> and oh, tissues and tissues and maybe you know they're now saying one of the symptoms of these newest variants are the well the runs would counteract you know take into account toilet paper, but watch Imodium and all those things and Pepto start disappearing from shelves. It's always something. Yeah. There I mean, seems it, to be a, a um, gastro, um, some gastro issues with the new variants. Oh, well, that's great. That's going to make lockdowns even more fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> It, it, you know, it's not funny, folks. It's not a funny situation. But the the way they have taken and ignored the fact that this could be a bioagent from the very beginning, they should have been working on antidotes, not preventatives. Well, and they're still not working on antidotes. And they're still not. That's that's where I see the big problem here. Yes. 
um, get them a subscription to the Patriot Factor. That's oh. that's that's my that's my two cents worth. The continuing COVID cover up is the name of the op ed. You can get it again at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or at rspradio1.com. Either place, you can get all the information and you can share the link from there so that other people have access to the information. You're not going to get the, the straight talk from the government. You're just not. No. No. And more and more people are going to be coming down with it. They're saying we're already surging here in our country with these new variants. This has got to stop, folks. It's never too late for an antidote. You can still protect people with an antidote. And you can probably still cure some with an antidote. But these vaccines and boosters just aren't doing it. Well, and not that this is going to make Diane feel any better about having to write ongoing COVID articles. But <laughs> the uh, the next um, Twitter files that I do probably I will deal with COVID. I know. And I might have to do that one instead of you doing it. <laughs> 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 Folks, we've hit the top of the hour. That means we got to take another break. I get a couple of station IDs in. When we come back, I'm talking about the gambit for the gavel. Things you may not have thought of last week while all the infighting was going on. So stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Getting you through Tuesday night's show. Glad you can be a part of it. If you miss any part of it, 
go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. All right, so probably a lot of people didn't even know this was going on, probably didn't hear a word about it, but uh, the House of Representatives was in an uproar a week ago trying to figure out who was going to be the new Speaker of the House <laughs> because the Wicked Witch is dead. Um, so i you know i was struggling i gotta be honest i was struggling last week what am i gonna write for this week what am i gonna do and i suddenly dawned on me it was all right there in front of me it was going on in the house and i was sitting there watching it all day every day um and you know i started out leaning in one direction when it came to uh everything that was going on but the more I watched, the more I paid attention, the more I thought, you know what? I'm not seeing what's really happening here. And when I really started bearing down on it and paying attention, it kind of shifted where I stood on the whole thing. So I wrote the gambit for the gavel. Now, the U.S. House of Representatives last week seemed to have turned into a shit show. And while there are more eloquent ways to express that sentiment, I rather doubt there were any more accurate ways to express it. But to be honest, things aren't always as they seem. On Thursday, January 5th, Kevin McCarthy lost his seventh ballot to become the Speaker of the House. Consistently, he had gotten in the neighborhood of 200 to 201 votes, where he needed 218 to win the gavel. Consistently, there were in the neighborhood of 20 House Republicans who simply would not vote for McCarthy, period. Now, here's the deal. Nobody could be sworn in as a member of the House until there was a Speaker of the House, and at that point, we did not have a Speaker of the House. None of the people's business could be done until House members elect were sworn in, and without a Speaker, nobody could be sworn in. By last Friday, January 6th, there had been 12 votes. Same result every time. Einstein said the very definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Congratulations, GOP members of the House. You met Einstein's definition of insanity. So, how did we get to that point? Well, it all started with the 2022 election. What was predicted to be a red wave turned out to be a red ripple in the House and a red sinkhole in the Senate. Yes, Republicans did win a majority in the House, but not the sort of majority Kevin McCarthy needed to become the Speaker. And he knew that if Republicans came out of the 2022 election with a 20 to 30 seat majority in the House, he'd have no problem taking the gavel. Diane, what Republicans ended up with was a nine-seat majority, and McCarthy knew at that point he did not have the 218 votes necessary to gain the speakership. But he wouldn't admit it and pressed on under the delusion that he could wrangle the votes needed from members of the House he had alienated over the years. Yeah, well, part of the thing, it wasn't just alienation per se, but sometimes 
It has to do with the monikers a person is given, what people see them as. And McCarthy fell into a certain um, certain moniker that doesn't sit well with many Republicans or many conservatives, I should well, say. And, and let's be honest, he, he earned that moniker. You know, mm-hmm. McCarthy has always been a GOP establishment guy. And conservatives do not want an establishment guy running the show in the House. We've all seen the sort of results we get from the establishment guy on our side of the aisle in the Senate. And while I believe that Mitch McConnell is more rhino than simply establishment, neither Republican voters nor conservative Republican House members want McCarthy, the House member version of McConnell, holding the gavel. When the margin of majority in the House was revealed to be razor thin, McCarthy should have done the right thing and dropped his bid to become the Speaker. He didn't, and so part of the blame for what we went through last week fell directly on his shoulders. Part of it, but not all of it. Elected conservatives in the House also have to share some of the blame for the circus we watched play out because... While they knew full well they could stop McCarthy and his establishment tracks, with almost two months of warning, they simply could not come up with a viable alternative to McCarthy. Jim Jordan, he didn't want the gavel, and for good reason. He'll be far more effective heading up the House Intel Committee than he could ever be as the Speaker. Jim Jordan, although nominated, voted for McCarthy. Representative-elect Byron Donalds? Donalds would have taken the job if the House Republicans could have ginned up 218 votes for him, but that wasn't going to happen thanks to the other faction on the right side of the aisle, the only Kevin faction. They wouldn't vote for anybody but McCarthy, and therefore, due to a complete lack of foresight and preparation by the never-Kevin faction— Byron Donalds would not become the next Speaker of the House. Steve Scalise, the same result applies to Scalise as applies to Donalds. Meanwhile, over on the other side of the aisle, the liberals were doing what liberals always do, marching in authoritarian lockstep. They nominated Jeffries, and without so much as an eye blink, every liberal in the House voted for Jeffries. Kevin Hearn, the Republican out of Oklahoma. Hearn and Donald split the anti-McCarthy votes in the ninth round of voting. And as for him, Hearn, he backed McCarthy. As the House set about further proving Einstein right with a 10th and 11th round of voting last Thursday with no end in sight, it became clear that neither side was prepared to blink. And of course, that led me to wonder who would eventually blink first. Diane, honestly, I could see both sides. While I still don't think McCarthy is the right choice to lead the House at such a pivotal moment in time, we have gained seats, albeit not as many as we should have under his minority leadership. On the other hand, he is the Mitch McConnell of the House, who never seems to take a stand on anything with the possible exception being his own quest to become the Speaker. Well, you know, uh, McCarthy, yes, he's establishment, 
Um, but personally, I'd rather have an establishment than a rhino. But he's also known for one particular skill that even those who voted against him do give him credit for. But sometimes that credit, you know, is not the credit you really want. Is it a skill? Is it a handicap? McCarthy is a deal maker, but he's obviously more apt to make deals with the left than to provide a backbone for the Republican Party. President Lincoln once said a house divided cannot stand. And while he was referring to the country, we can and should apply that quote to the ongoing mess in trying to elect a Speaker of the House. The Republican Party is now the divided House, and, as such, it will have a hard time standing or ruling over the People's House. Late last Thursday night, January 5th, the framework for a deal between the two factions on the right side of the aisle began to come forth that would give the House Freedom Caucus nearly everything they want to eventually allow enough of them to vote for McCarthy. One key item on the list is a rule change that would allow for a single member of the House to make a motion to replace McCarthy should the Speaker lean too hard toward the establishment or should he resort to deal-making with liberals in the House. While that seems extreme, it isn't. Not in this case, anyway, and for reasons that might be appropriate given the mandate, thin as it was in the 2022 election given to Republicans in the House. Voters wanted change, not just a change from Pelosi and the liberal rule in the House, but a change in the way Washington does the people's business. When one takes that into consideration, what the 20 members of the House did in preventing a speaker from being seated for almost a full week and thus holding up Congress from doing the people's business suddenly takes on a whole new light. I believe an argument could be made that in preventing the House from getting down to business, those 20 roadblocks have actually been doing what voters wanted them there to do. Another way of putting it would be to say that those 20 holdouts were doing the people's business by not allowing business as usual to continue unabated or unchallenged. Those 20 were doing what nobody from either side of the aisle in the Senate or in the House have been willing to do. They held one of their own accountable. Now, could it be that there's a new squad in the House? Could it be that the second American Revolution will start within the hallowed halls rather than in the streets? The end of the era of Republicans versus Democrats took place when the last Speaker of the House, who was accountable to the people, Newt Gingrich, held the gavel. While the Democrat Party continued to move to the left toward liberalism, then socialism, and now to Marxism, elected Republicans, not all of them, but far too many, simply inched more to the left themselves and continued with business as usual, never challenging the status quo, never standing up to the Washington establishment, much less the establishment within our own Republican Party. Diane, what has gotten us to this point? More of the same old crap Republican establishment House speakers like Mike or uh, Paul Ryan and John Boehner 
that's what got us to this point. Well, I see it a little bit different than you do, but I don't disagree with you at all in what you said. I mean, it was basically a freak show. Well. However, my issue is with the Freedom Caucus itself. Okay. But that, but continue on because uh, it really was a freak show, and I don't think the American people want any more freak shows. We had enough of it with Pelosi as speaker. Well, you know, I mean, I guess the question I ask is, was it really a freak show or did it seem like a freak show because it was different than what we're used to? What we saw last week, what seemed like a shit show, laughable and unorganized, may have actually been anything but. It just might be that 20 members of the House with a backbone might be able to spur the growth of a set of moose balls on an establishment speaker of the house. Will the gambit for the gavel actually work? Well, it's too early to tell, but should McCarthy become the speaker? And I believe, you know, at the point that I wrote this, I believed he would, and he did. Uh, he'll have a choice to make. He can either be the aforementioned Sino speaker in name only, or he can evolve into a true leader, not just of the House, but for the American people by standing up to the Marxists on the other side of the aisle rather than cutting deals with them. The real question is, how will the 200 Republican establishment members of the House, those who've been voting for McCarthy, react? How will the usual suspects behave when business is being done in anything but the usual way? Will they put aside the old school establishment, good old boy D.C. status quo and start turning this country around? There are three time frames we have to recognize. In the immediate term, while what we've seen over the past week may seem frustrating, stupid, and embarrassing, we need to understand that change to the system was only going to come about by shocking the system, and the system hasn't been this shocked for over 100 years. In the short term, thanks to that god-awful spending bill that never should have happened to begin with, we now have a few months to line up our Republican ducks before the next spending bill is due, which means that McCarthy has the opportunity to get the House Republicans into lockstep behind cutting the spending and eliminating wasteful programs and agencies. McCarthy and the House Republicans had better be ready to grind government to a halt if necessary, and they had better hone the image to a razor's edge to explain something like that to the voters. In the long term, 2024 is coming up faster than anyone wants to believe, and if backbones and moose balls win the day over in the House over the next couple of years, the future looks brighter for retaking the Senate, expanding the majority in the House, and seizing control of the Oval Office. When you can run on your position and your House and Senate votes, even if you lost because you don't currently hold the majority or via White House veto, you've got a platform that shows you're fighting for the American people, not the D.C. establishment. Sadly, 
all of this, the days on end and countless votes trying to get to a speaker and get that speaker seated in the House could have and should have been avoided with pre-planning leading up to the vote and The blame there falls squarely on the shoulders of Kevin McCarthy, who burned rather than built bridges leading up to the Red Ripple. Finally, after nearly an endless series of concessions by McCarthy to the House Freedom Caucus conservatives, the longest gambit for the gavel in 164 years thankfully came to an end in the wee hours of last Saturday morning, January 7th, as House establishment Republicans now wonder if the whole thing will make it harder for their side of the aisle to govern effectively. Only those establishment sorts can answer that question. If they continue to engage in the status quo, yes, it will be harder for them to govern. However, if they're willing to put America first, toss in the status quo, business-as-usual towel, and do what's best for the people rather than what's best for the swamp, good things are about to happen. I don't believe that the founders and framers ever meant for gaining the speakership to be an easy, drama-free coronation. They meant for vigorous debate, maybe a few arguments, and above all, the will of the people in the people's house to be the primary concern. The ball is now in Kevin McCarthy's court. Let the true investigations begin and let the liberal tears start flowing. Yes. I, I think you bring out some very good points in this article, but I, the freedom caucus, they're, they're, Ideology is great. What they're trying to do is great. I have no problem with that. But I do have a problem the way McCarthy and crew handle this. But yes, and, and, and I do too. And I, th- I hope I made that clear. You know, yeah. McCarthy, uh, w- when the red wave turned into a red ripple, he knew he didn't have 218 votes. He knew it. Right. And, and at that point, he should have bowed out and said, you know what, I'm going to let somebody else be the Speaker of the House. On the other side, the Freedom Caucus, they should have looked at that situation and said, we can stop McCarthy, but we don't have a viable alternative, and we're going to keep nominating Jim Jordan and Byron Donalds and Steve Scalise over yeah. and over and over again to do nothing but stop McCarthy without ever standing a chance of getting any one of those people into the House. And that and that became abundantly clear when they first nominated Jim Jordan, and he stood up and said, I don't want it. Exactly. Huh. And I remember you and I were talking when all this was going on, and I said, these people are nominating someone who is voting for McCarthy, who said clearly, flat out, he doesn't want the position and yet they kept at it they're the ones that dragged the free sh- freak show a uh, freak show on. easy for you to say it's easy for me not to say um but they're the <laughs> ones that dragged it all on it didn't right. have to be this way well i it- blame matt gates and he's from my state of florida and he's a very nice man i've met him he's a very nice man but you have to know Someone, okay, nominate Jordan the first time he comes up. 
I don't want it. Please don't do this. I'm voting for McCarthy. He made Gates made himself look like a fool and he made himself the cause of this dragging on for days and days and days. However, at, at the end of the days and days and days, I mean, normally you could say at the end of the day, but in this case, at the end of the days and days and days, they got McCarthy to climb off at, at least to a large extent, climb off that establishment pile uh, of swamp gas. And, hey, I'd and rather agree. have establishment than rhinos any day. I, I would too. But right now, uh, Kevin McCarthy is, is having his feet held to the fire by people like Matt Gates. And, you know, if it, like I said, I don't know if this is going to work. Time will tell if it does. But at least we got a preview of how things might be going because Kevin McCarthy came out strong against funding those 87,000 extra IRS agents. And he got every single Republican in the House to agree and vote to kill that funding. The only problem is, and this is a very big problem, and it's not just Matt Matt Gates. I'd say it's for those last couple of holdouts. They were able to get that thing where one House member can object and call for Kevin McCarthy to step down. Anytime Matt Gates and his little group doesn't like a particular piece of legislation, if they personally don't like that legislation, I call for McCarthy, step down, they're going to hold up everything. Votes, ridiculous uh, votes maybe. are going to have to be taken. He has created a, a mailstorm of, well, of just ridiculousness here. I, I, you know, I, I can see it that way. And like I say in the, in the commentary, I can see both sides. I understand what you're saying. And I and I don't necessarily disagree with it, just like you don't necessarily disagree with with the commentary as a whole. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the thing. If McCarthy does what he has promised to do, then that won't be an issue. But if but if some- he if he weasels back into his old establishment, good old boy DC swamp way of doing things and making deals with the left, it could happen. The, the thing that Gates did, let, let, let me just finish this slot. The thing that Gates did and those other holdouts, it's not, like you said, it's not just Matt Gates. Right. Okay. Right. The, the thing, and I call them the 20. The thing the 20 did was they didn't give McCarthy any wiggle room. They didn't leave him any gray space to get squishy. So let's see but what he they, does. But their wiggle room was what they and their agenda wanted they didn't allow for what the other 200 republicans wanted and they're not all swamp creatures and all of them are not bad no certainly not they left no wiggle room for anybody else it's our way or no way that makes them no better than the democrats that's my saying that i always say some are so far to the right that they actually shake hands with the left i I understand this is a case in point i understand what you're saying and we'll see how it plays out you know but uh you know i i look at the eighty-seven thousand potential new irs agents when was the last time everybody in the house voted in lockstep to stop no 
a, a liberal a good, juggernaut. That's a good sign, and hopefully it'll stay that way. But let's say there's a bill on that, that Gates says, oh, I don't like this bill, but all the others are for it. He can hold up. A whole it's, section well, of Congress again. It's it's not about bills, okay? It's about McCarthy. <clears throat> bills they 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 go into caucus, they go into you know they they you know write the bills, they adjust the bills, they amend the bills, they do this to the bills, they do that to the bills. That is a whole separate thing. What what this thing does is hold McCarthy's feet to the fire, and you know. I, I'm not saying it'll it'll never happen that somebody doesn't get up and make a motion to replace Kevin McCarthy, but I don't think it's going to be every time a bill comes along they don't no, like. No, I don't think I'm not that. saying I'm not saying every single time a bill comes along. Of course not. I'm saying uh, let's say let's take uh, what could we take for example? Let's take a bill about abortion. You know, the federal funding of abortion. Okay. Quickly, because okay. we only got a couple minutes here. Okay. You know we're all against that. Okay. Right. We're all in unison against that. But what if a particular state comes forward and says, no, we want to allow this, 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 or uh, their own rules? And well, McCarthy doesn't like their rules, but the rest of the Republicans say, hmm, the Constitution says the state trumps this, this, and this. What happens in cases like that? Well, in, in cases like that, the Constitution wins. It really doesn't have anything to do with Kevin McCarthy. W- what this is aimed at is, let's say, um, you know, a, a situation. Well, let's let's use the 87,000 IRS agents, Okay. Uh, that thing comes up, you know, we're going to cut the funding. Well, of course, none of the Democrats voted to cut the the funding. All of the Rep- Republicans did vote to cut the funding for the 87,000 new right. IRS agents. And, and if Kevin, yeah, if Kevin McCarthy had said, well, you know, I think maybe we got to make some concessions here to the Democrats on this. Maybe, maybe we don't have 87,000. Maybe we have 60,000 new ones. Then, then you got a problem with McCarthy. Yeah. Then you have a problem. I agree. In instances <clears throat> like that, you would have a problem, but not all deals that Kevin McCarthy has made have been bad. No, but but some of them have, and like I said, he's more apt to deal with with the uh, Democrats than he is provide a backbone for the Republicans. Let's just see what happens. But I'll tell you what. <coughs> excuse me. We're just about out of time here, folks. You can get my commentary two places: thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com under the title The Gambit for the Gavel. Time will tell how this all works out and whether or not it was worth it, but I have to hand it to them. They actually held one of their own accountable, and I haven't seen that happen in decades. Yeah, no, that that part is true. Like I said, I do, do not disagree with your what you presented. I just think that the Freedom Caucus now has too much power. I don't know that they have too much power. There, there's only you know, a certain number of them in that caucus. We'll see. We'll see how it we'll works see. out. But we're out right. of time, Diane. Yes, we are. So with that, I'll say nighty-night, folks. Folks, you have yourselves a great rest of the evening, a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you again on Friday. Bye-bye.